Listeners, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. No matter where you are and what time you're listening to this podcast episode, welcome back to the Business of Wellness. I'm your host, Jacqueline London, and I am joined today by Lauren Manneker. She is a fertility specialist. She is a women's health dietitian. She has worked with brands. She works in media. She is a freelance writer. She is very brilliant. Lauren and I met back in October at Fency, and it was sort of like a love at first sight kind of kind of thing. You know when you have that professionally, personally with someone that you just so happen to meet and just are like I don't know why I'm only just meeting you now. You know what I mean? That that was Lauren and I uh back in October. I think you are going to love this episode. I had the the fortune, the good fortune to ask you all via Instagram what your questions were on the topic of nutrition and fertility, nutrition and pregnancy, postpartum. We get into all of it. I hope this answers most of your questions, but Lauren has already agreed to do a part two in the event that we don't get to everything today. So without further ado, I'm going to get us into the interview. A quick reminder that you can follow the business of wellness wherever you're listening to this right now. So please go ahead and hit follow. Please also follow me at Jacqueline London RD on all social media platforms everywhere except for TikTok, where it's at Jacqueline London. And of course, the Business of Wellness now has its own Instagram account, you guys. Please go ahead and give us a follow. I'm linking that in the episode notes today. And I am literally recording this as I am on my way out to a conference in Napa. So I got to get going. Enjoy the episode. Welcome. Welcome to the Business of Wellness. I've been extremely excited about this for so long. And I know our listeners are highly excited also, I've got to say, it's really such a joy to see you on the on the Riverside slash the Zoom, and I'm so glad you're here. Thank you. Always fun to be with you. <laughs> this is such a treat. All right, so you have to start. We've got to start where we where we always start. What brought you into nutrition in general? What where are where are you dialing in from right now? <laughs> Tell us about you and what you do and where your focus has been in nutrition, starting starting from the very beginning. <laughs> I'll try and make it as quick as I can. It's scary that I could now say I've been practicing dietetics for 20 years. It's terrifying. I know it's a terrifying thing. So here I am. Never thought I'd be here, but um, I've, I've worked all over. I've worked in inpatient, outpatient. I've worked in industry. I've done um, medical sales at once upon a time. And uh, now I'm in Charleston, South Carolina. Um, when I married my husband, he told me if I marry him, I marry Charleston. At the time, I was staring at a diamond, so I'm like, sure. <laughs> go to the moon. Give me the ring. Um, so we're here. Let's go to the moon. Yeah. And um, I, I quit my corporate job when I had my daughter because um, I couldn't keep up with the travel and the breastfeeding and all of that. And then when she was around three, I started working a little bit, focusing on um, – fertility nutrition, because I went through a five-year fertility journey to conceive her and the nutrition information I got, it wasn't even bad information. It was non-existent. And what was scary was there were resources out there that were not run by medical professionals. It was a lot of um, like herbal potions and massages on your hand to stimulate your uterus. And whether they work or not, I felt like people also needed a resource a resource that's evidence-based. So that's where I started. Since I started, the fertility world has exploded, which, you know, is good and bad because more people are talking about it and there are more resources out there. So I'm certainly not the only one in South Carolina doing it. Um, But that's really where I started. And then from there, I just started trying to convey accurate information for people because it's such a stressful journey. And I wanted to make it a little 
a little less stressful? If I could do anything to help them maybe skip an IVF cycle. You know, I often find myself saying, uh, like if I had a sort of, um, my headline of, of what a dietitian does is everyone calm down. Like if that were my, if that were my headline, my, my subtitle would be <laughs> no, but seriously, calm the fuck down. And, and, and we just, the second we just kind of calm it down a little bit, <laughs> we open a whole new world of things that are actually way simpler, way more manageable, a lot more, oh, like you said, evidence-based, but also it's, it almost has this halo, I think, of what we do of like, it seems too good to be true because it was right there in front of us. And I, I think that's sometimes the thing that people get tripped up on about nutrition is that it seems like it, it can't be vegetables, right? Like it, it's like that kind of vibe that you get in response. Well, it's not sexy also. I mean, it's not right. exciting. No one's psyched to eat asparagus. You know? <laughs> it's much more exciting to eat like some trendy concoction with some tropical fruit. Yes. You know, I can't do it because everything I'm saying is so boring. Like, how many times do I say, "Don't forget to eat your fish twice a week"? It's it's boring, you know. I know, but that's what it is. I mean, I'll say today on my stories, I hopped on because I published an article. This has nothing. We're already going on a bunny trail. I like it. I like yeah. it. I like a bunny. You, this podcast loves a bunny trail. Yes. So there was a recent study that came out that showed that get this there there's a chemical. That is formed if you are using iodized salt when you're boiling your water to make pasta, right? I saw this. And now yeah. headlines are now saying, like, think twice about how you're cooking your pasta. So I actually went on and said, I need to speak on this because I do not want everyone freaking out about their pasta. Like, let's think yes. it's pasta. I don't know yes. anyone that has died because of eating pasta. So I, you know, broke it down a little more in detail because people love to grab onto these claims and run with it. You know, stressed out enough. I mean, really. That's that is that that's the other sub that's the other subtitle. We're stressed out enough. Like we don't have to add something that we don't need to be stressed out about to to this list. Like you don't need a new thing. I I okay before well, I just want to go with the bunny trail for a sec because I want to ask you about this just in general because <laughs> you come back for what we have. Yeah, I know we might we might have to do about a four part series. But little does Lord know this is this is her podcast now as well. It's not the first time I've seen it, but it it really built on something that I thought kind of had we had left behind a little bit more, which was when the erythritol study news came out that that. It blew up the internet for no conceivable reason, <laughs> for no discernible, really noteworthy reason. But when it all blew up, my first thought was, wow, how insane is it that, and, and really from what I could see as a consumer, it was like slow news week, like genuinely, like this is a slow news week because instead of it being something that's like, okay, someone is asking me this, like a consumer, a person, a patient, a client, whatever is asking me this. This is, I see how we're getting fed a media narrative and it feels confusing because if you didn't see anything else and you just saw the headlines and honestly, a lot of the articles, which were pretty crappy as well, if I, if I may say so, but like it really fed into this narrative and it made me think like, this is how, this is how we get misinformation is just the pile on. It, it's like well, credible it's publications, but pile on. It, it snowballs to the point that I, I think like you, I work with some health better for you. Food right. Forms. They're reading the headlines right. and they come to me saying, let's jump on this because we don't have a erythritol. Let's right. have a campaign and do Instagram posts saying that we don't. 
And then I'm explaining to them what the study actually said, and they they had no idea. And thankfully, right. they were good with not running with it because they don't want to, you know, continue to spread misinformation. But in their heart, they were just relying on the truth. Right. Had they taken that step, then they would have amplified the information without even realizing it. And it just snowballs, which is why they need people like us. Thank you. Which is where superhero nutrition people come in. It's, it's putting on, it's, I'm putting on the proverbial white cape, the white cape, AKA the white coat, (laughs) the white lab coat. (laughs) Get back out my white lab coat. Your little hairnet. And I'm ready. So let's start with trying to conceive. Let's talk prenatal. You are in a phase of life where you are considering pregnancy and or trying to get pregnant. What give us some uh, let's start with some of the basics. Like what are some of the basic nutrition related concepts that you find yourself talking about the most or that have the most substance behind them and give us some of the ways that this has played out for you in practice? Sure. So the most basic thing that people can do that they forget about because it's just, I guess, not top of mind and not trendy and people aren't talking about it is to take a prenatal vitamin before you mm. get pregnant. I find people are taking all these fertility supporting supplements and eating fertility supporting foods and they're forgetting that like, what if this works and you become pregnant? Right. You need to have these nutrients in your body in adequate levels before you get pregnant because you don't even know you're pregnant until a few weeks later. So taking a high quality um, prenatal vitamin at least, at least three months before you try to conceive is key. Um, A lot of the nutrients we already know about, um, folic acid, folate, that's a whole other story between the two, Mm. but according to the CDC, we say folic acid. (sighs) That um, is not always talked about as choline, and that's a nutrient Mm. that we need in higher amounts when we're pregnant, supports baby's spinal cord development. So if your prenatal vitamin doesn't have choline, I suggest taking additional choline in supplemental form and eating choline-rich foods like eggs, um, peanuts, cauliflower, uh, meat, chicken, things like that. Mm. So that that's my number one is make sure that you're getting that prenatal vitamin to make sure you're getting those key nutrients in. Love this. Love this. Okay. Prenatal. It's like not exciting and sexy. It's take a prenatal vitamin. But you know, you'd think you would think that it could be sexy because it's a supplement. So, so all of these people who like at every other life stage are like, let me, <laughs> let me just, I'm all in on XYZ supplement and this supplement and this supplement that I was into five years ago. It's like, no, no, it's just, it's just a new one. And it's just one. It can just be one or possibly two. And that's if it's choline. a good point too. If you are trying to conceive some of these supplements you've been taking for years may not be appropriate. Mm. You know, even if you're taking a multivitamin, you don't want to take your multivitamin with your prenatal vitamin because then you could get too much, you know, so yes. you want to evaluate it with dietitian or your healthcare provider and make sure that things that are quote unquote natural may not be studied during pregnancy. And the hope is you're trying and then you're going to have to see success and you're going to become pregnant and we don't want these things in your body. So evaluate yes. your supplements. Natural doesn't always mean safe. Um, mm. so that's, that's my number one tip. And then everything else, I mean, are just really eating as if you are pregnant. Of course, you don't have to like cut out all the foods that you, um, that may increase your risk of getting sick, like right. the unpasteurized cheese or the mm. cheese, like that you could eat when you're trying. But really those nutrient dense foods, you want to eat the low mercury fish two, three times a week, your fruits, mm. your veggies, your beans, your nuts, your seeds. Um, all all those things we've been saying all along. Now's the time to really do it. It's really true. Okay. So on this, 
what what are some examples of seafood that you would recommend? Because I feel like this is one that comes up for me a lot. I find myself talking about a lot is a kind of tamping down the general tenor on mercury at large, yes. but also with the understanding that depending on who you are, where you're coming from, it 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 may be a little bit more, you know, like that there might be some sort of balance depending on if you're always having, let's say, white albacore tuna seven days a week, that might be something to reevaluate. So give us give us kind of the picture of like what types of seafood or mixed types of seafood or which ones you would suggest. So there's a great chart on the EPA website that really breaks down which um, choices are ones that people should choose and which ones people should limit. Um, automatically, I find when you say eat more seafood, people say, well, I get sick of salmon. Like there are plenty right. of other right. <laughs> salmon that you could choose. Like, so I'm true. Defrosting right now for dinner. Yeah. I mean, that's a fantastic, easy fish to yeah. eat, lower in mercury, um, high in protein. Yeah. So um, cod is one that I love. I also like to remind people that shrimp counts. Yes. Shrimp has DHA. Yes. Shrimp you could buy frozen, keep it in your freezer. It is so quick to defrost for those days where you just can't, you know? Yes. You just can't handle it. You defrost it. You throw it in with some frozen veggies and some rice and there's your stir fry and you get your seafood. Yeah. Um, with the canned seafood, first of all, you know, we were so concerned before about the BPA lining. Mm. That doesn't seem to be as much as of a concern now. The industry isn't mm -hmm. really using BPA as much. Of course, you still want to make sure. You could usually see if it is made with a BPA lined mm -hmm. can. It should say that on the can. Typically, it is, at the, is not at this point. Mm -hmm. um, we want to stick to the um, skipjack tuna. Mm. versus the albacore. The albacore tends to have higher mercury than the skipjack. The skipjack. Interesting. Such a good point. Such a good point about the BPA. Because one thing that has always struck me about this conversation around um, endocrine disruptors, and we did not even necessarily plan on going there, but let's go there just a little bit. Let's talk about uh, about this this conversation around endocrine disruption and what and some things that we might want to look out for. Because what strike, what has always struck me about something like the BPA conversation is that in the same way as when you see a food label that says, let's say, let's just use a very basic example, no high fructose corn syrup. The, the implication is that this means that there's maybe no sugar in the product. And maybe that's, and I know that for us, that's not implied, right? But for, for a consumer who may not necessarily know, it sounds like, wow, high fructose corn syrup, that's scary. But it, it's not necessarily saying that there's no sugar in that right. cereal, let's say. And similarly with BPA, I've always thought, you know, it's an, inter it's an interesting question because simply because there's no BPA doesn't mean that there's not something else perhaps less studied that's now in a that could be there to replace whatever that chemical was doing in the first place, the structure, function, anything that it was doing there. So I'm always kind of dubious of, of these things that are like no XYZ, like ingredient that you may have heard of that kind of plays into some of the fear that's out there with so many women, obviously, and for every understandable reason, right? But like, what, how do you feel about some of these claims like the no XYZ, like the no endocrine, insert name of an end of a proposed endocrine disruptor here? Tell me what you think. <laughs> do your homework. And yeah. it's really not the company's job to navigate yeah. 
you to help you make the best choice. It's their job to have you buy their product over something else. For people that are truly concerned about anything that may be found in cans, Mm. a nice alternative is those pouches. Yes, I love those too. So the pouches can be a nice option that completely takes the whole conversation off the table. Love that. Love that. You mentioned prenatal vitamins. What about the what about brands? And and you can feel free to be as uh, to name as many or as few as you like. And it does not. You can tell us ones that you've worked with or not worked with. Just ones that you think. Okay, this is what I would look for in a prenatal vitamin. So I feel that we should give a little love to Life Extension. I hear you because I've got their prenatal in my pantry right now. Yes. That's how you and I. Exactly. And this is how we met. Listeners, this is how we met. Thank you, Life Extension. Thank you, Life Extension. Completely Um, agree. And they do have a high quality product. Really high quality. It's relatively new and I would take it personally. I have no qualms about it. Um, I help create one. I get no royalties from it. I get mm. nothing out of the sales, but I help create um, the natalist prenatal. Cool. So it has a special place in my heart because I put a lot of time into figuring out what should go into that one. Yeah. Um, you know, there, there are a lot of quality ones. There are also some, this, this is another, this is one thing that bugs me is mm. understanding that we're trying to combat the misinformation and we don't want to fear monger. There are some people out there that accuse these brands that may be a higher price point Mm. of taking advantage by choosing certain forms of these nutrients and charging more and saying that there's really no need. And I will disagree with that because the ones that I like are Mm. giving forms, like let's use magnesium as an example. Yes. Great All example. Magnesiums are not created equal. Magnesium yeah. is incredibly important. Most of us are not consuming enough magnesium. Mm. When you're pregnant, you need to consume around 400 milligrams a day. Mm. The some brands like Nature Made, which mm-hmm. is very economical, and you know, yes, widely available key nutrients, but they provide magnesium in the magnesium oxide form. Oy. There are people that don't absorb magnesium oxide. It's yeah. just not easily absorbed. Some people take magnesium oxide to help with constipation issues. It's not necessarily oh, yes. like, you know, to help raise your magnesium levels. So there yeah. are other brands that are a little more expensive or a lot more expensive mm-hmm. that um, give magnesium in other forms like magnesium glyconate. Mm-hmm. That form is more readily available for the body to use. So I do look at the form of the nutrients that you're getting in the prenatals. Yeah. And on top of looking to see um, which nutrients are being provided, there's a little more to be dug into. The other question I I have on this one is that it was somewhat, I want to say 2019, 2018, that iodine was added to the kind of recommendations of nutrients, just bringing us full circle back to the pasta. (laughs) (laughs) Iodine. What? I'm like traumatized by this. I know. I just wanted to bring this up again so that you can debunk it again. Answer from pasta. Like, <laughs> make that clear. Your pasta water is not trying to kill you. Is it like, if that, if we could rename this podcast, that's what it would be called. Your pasta water is not trying to kill you. 
Very important. What, so, so interestingly, and I've kind of kept an eye on this just at large and throughout the kind of the, the overall supplements landscape. I feel like some have been kind of early adopters. There's a few out there I've seen that have become early adopters of like, yes, we're going to include iodine in this formulation. Are there any that you know of that definitively are providing that? Are there others that do you think that we get enough of this in food or, or where do you stand on this? I think we must take a prenatal vitamin with at least 150 micrograms yes. a day. Um, I just posted something about a statistic oh, good. showing I, I could look if you want. I mean, it was a staggering amount. What they did was they looked at around 50 prenatal vitamins out there and they showed that um, there was quite a large percentage of prenatals that are not providing that minimum of 150 micrograms or they're not providing it again in that form that we want. We mm. want potassium iodide. Yes. These natural ones are not providing the iodine in the potassium iodide form. Okay. This is, this is gold. I mean, this is a, these are pro tips. We want magnesium glyconate. We want potassium iodide. And otherwise we want 400, 400 milligrams of folic acid, 600 milligrams when you're pregnant. Yes, is that exactly. right? Yes. Okay. And okay. Iodine, though, we want to remember that um, too much of a good thing isn't always so Yes. Easy. So we don't want to go crazy with that one. Like I see some people taking like thyroid supporting supplements Aye. with extra iodine in it. We don't want to exceed a thousand um, micrograms a day. So don't don't add the iodine on top of the iodine you're getting from your prenatal. Yes. In other words, do less. <laughs> Pair it back. Because we like this. Talk to your healthcare provider before you put anything in your mouth. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, just about anything, honestly. I mean, really. We got a couple questions on this. I feel like this is such a hot topic because there's so much there's so much fear. And again, very understandable fear of the like timing between, let's say, you're trying to conceive and you're not sure if you're gonna get your next period. There's there's all of and I, I feel like it kind of reminds me of any of the work that I've done with athletes, which is like, if an athlete decide, is like, I have this vegetable juice half an hour before a game. And every time I do it, I win. Do you know what I mean? It, it's like, it's like, you're not, it doesn't matter what my nutrition advice <laughs> necessarily is in that moment, because I'm not going to mess with something that you feel like is your, like, if you need a little of that mental kind of like that placebo-esque thing, I'm not touching that. Like you do you like, uh, yes, I'm going to give you suggestions about what might make it better, but I feel like there are women out there who would want to know, can I drink? Can I still have sushi? Can I still have turkey, a jelly turkey? <laughs> um, what are some things that you would say these are worth worrying about? And by worrying, I just mean considering, like consider, like just looking out for it. And what are some things to just take off the table and just relax about? So that's in the fertility world, that's called the two-week wait. Yes, the two-week wait. Yes. Two-week wait. This is my stance. And there are many other dietitians that disagree with me, but I yeah. don't see a benefit to including alcohol in your diet during the two-week wait. Mm. Okay. Is it going to hurt anything? We don't know, but it's not going to help you. So yes, especially for the people that have been trying for so long, like, yes, like let's, let's pump the brakes with that. Yeah. Um, things like the deli meat. I, I don't get as concerned. Even when people are pregnant, I don't get that concerned. You just want to be smart. Like if it's like slimy and disgusting, right. don't eat it. but like freshly cut deli meat from the board's head. Yeah. Whatever, I, I, I really think it's not something to be overly concerned about. 
Um, one thing that may help and certainly won't hurt is um, including foods that are those vasodilators because mm. we promote getting more blood flowing to the uterus. So yes. I love beets. I think beets are like my go-to for the vasodilation. I mean, it may help, may not help. There's some data showing that um, beet juice, a beet, ginger, watermelon juice concoction um, just helped promote some positive outcomes in that world. So that's a Sounds healthy delicious. thing for people to, not healthy, but like yeah. positive, low risk thing for people yeah. to grab onto, like just eat watermelon and beets, not in a great, not, not in an extreme way, but if you're looking for something to support, mm. to me that's better than any of these fertility supporting supplements that we're not really sure what's in them and what we're doing with them. 1000%. I love that. Just explain, just for our listeners who don't know, tell us, tell us what a vasodilator so food our, is. Our veins are a certain diameter mm. and there's some things that we can do or consume that make our veins um, constrict. So those are called vasoconstrictors. So they make the diameter smaller. Mm. And when it's smaller, um, the blood isn't flowing at the same rate because it's it's a smaller tube, let's say. Please jump in if I'm not explaining yeah. this right. No, this is perfect. And yes. with the face of dilators, the opposite happens. It dilates. So it makes the tube, let's call it a yeah. tube, wider so more blood can flow to all the areas of your body, including your uterus. Yes. Love that. Get the blood. Go. Get it going. Yeah. Get it going. Get going. <laughs> Bring it over there. <laughs> <laughs> the blood's carrying nutrients, it's carrying oxygen, it's carrying all those important things that all of our organs need. So, you know, yeah. that's why, like, athletes will do, like, the beet juice, or I don't know, I'm not an athlete. Yeah, I'm thinking tart cherry. Isn't that another, yeah, that's another one, vasodilator. Yes, yes. Um, it's, it's a similar concept. Basically anything with a very bright pigment that's kind of of the pink, reddish, purplish variety, I would say, <laughs> has, has some of those compounds in there. You know, and what's the downside? It might not help. Yes. I mean, it may do nothing for you, but it's really not going to hurt anything. Right, right. I like this so much. I love this approach so much because I think it's so ideal for so many people to hear. And I like that you said that about your stance about alcohol too, because I feel like it it's such a good point, right? Which is that no one should feel worried if you did not know. And then, and then during that two-week wait, you were consuming alcohol. You shouldn't be worried because we don't really have data that says that this is definitively going to hurt you or, or make something right. Like, so if you get there, that's not the moment to then say, Oh my God, I can't believe I just drank all this. Right. It's like, it's like now we're here, but if it's because exactly what you said, which is that there's so much time, there's a lot of energy put into uh, energy and money put into, if you're particularly, if you're doing IVF, then, then why would you want to you know, like the, the, there's the idea of like saying, okay, but maybe we just dial it back yeah. on the alcohol at this moment. It's a big difference to have a glass of champagne at your friend's wedding versus yes. like keg stands on a Saturday <laughs> afternoon. <laughs> yes, this is such a good point. This is exactly the point. Thank you. Yes, it's very different. You don't have to do, you don't have to hit the ice luge in these two weeks, but, right. but in, in, in about 10 or so months, <laughs> knock your socks off. Knock your socks we'll off. be happy to join. In fact, you might enjoy it more. Yes. We'll, we'll be here for you. We're here to support you. We'll lift your legs up. <laughs> Perfect. Okay. 
We got to go a little bit, a little bit back to this. And because I have personally experienced this and also because I'm sure that there are people listening. In fact, I've got some questions on this, um, about AMH, which has become a trendy term, anti-malarian hormone, a test essentially that's, that's there to give you a snapshot of ovarian reserve. And I would say, and Lauren, you jump in on this, but I would say that we're talking about this test more now because it's a relatively newer way of speaking to women about egg freezing, about like the idea of egg freezing or, you know, this is what your ovarian reserve looks like. And if it's a little bit low, then you might want to have that information so that you can take action kind of thing. What there, I've seen a few things. I've seen a few studies. I've seen a lot of people talking, <laughs> mostly a lot of people talking about new food and nutrition related interventions for a low AMH. What are your thoughts on this? So I avoid those. I don't think about ways to improve your AMH or have any effect on your AMH because the AMH is telling me what your ovarian reserve is. So essentially how many eggs you have in your body, but it's telling me nothing about your egg quality and you can have a low AMH. So you don't have a lot of eggs, but your egg quality can be, I don't know, A plus. How do you grade eggs? I don't know. Right. Great. <laughs> I like the A plus. I like I'm that. I'm thinking though. about like the egg yeah. micro, which exactly. is totally sensitive of me. Exactly. Oh, I like it. So, I like it. You know, when people are trying to do something that affects their AMH, I, I'm just not convinced that it's going to result in any meaningful yeah. outcomes for them at the end of the day. So when right. someone tells me that they have a low AMH, like it's, it's valuable information just to know where you are. But I also remind them that that tells me nothing about their egg quality and it takes one egg. Right. Right. Yeah, and also up in that one, on that one. I have this sort of working theory on it, which is that there's a reason why it's a newer test, which is like, I, I don't know. I, it's hard to not see this as in part, and I'm sure that you have many thoughts on this and we will get to them all, <laughs> but, but there's this industry tone to the whole thing, which is like, how can we make money off of your fear, women? Do you know what I mean? Like there, there's a little bit of that. Vulnerable group. I mean, yes. when I was going through it, I would have done anything to just be done. Like I right. wanted to be done with this stage of my life. It was so bad. And yeah. That's why I was paying $250 to get my fingertips massaged. Like it's nothing, <laughs> but I, I would have done anything like if that. someone told me that it was yeah. going to work and allow me to become a mom at that point. So right. some are very predatory. Some are coming from the right place. It's yes. Hell until you really get to know the brand and the company and ask questions. Yeah. Um, I do wish more of the um, physicians took time to evaluate each individual product versus just having this negative tone because some, some actually may help, mm. but there are others that I think are just, I mean, I've had people come to me saying they want to get into the fertility space because it's such a lucrative space. Like that's the motivation is they know people will spend money and it's somewhere where they want to be to capitalize on it. And those are brands that I just can't partner with because it's yucky. Like I've been there. Right. 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 It's like, it's definitely when you've been there, you're like, this feels personal and really predatory to me. Oh, it's dark. What are there any that you can think of 
not to again lead us off track, but are there any that you can think of that you're like, okay, that actually is something that might be a worthwhile intervention, like something that maybe sounds like the fingertip massage, but is not. <laughs> um, well, again, I did in the past. I really don't work with them anymore, but I did work yeah. with Natalist, and yeah. I do feel like they came from a good place. They've yeah. since been bought out, so I'm not okay. sure how the culture is now. But right. When we started and we came out with all of these products. They do have some worthwhile things out there. I mean, even the pregnancy tests are like totally yeah. recyclable, which is something people don't always think about, which isn't yeah. how to get pregnant, but it's, you know, good for right. future kids' life. Right. <laughs> like, that's a good thing. Um, you know, and there are some supplements that are worth it too. Like, I think a lot of these like at-home tests, I think yeah. you can get a lot of this information with your healthcare provider and then your healthcare provider can help guide you through the results yes. without trying to like sell you something a hundred percent, a hundred percent. Because now that you're saying it, it really just gelled for me about why this wasn't sitting well with me. And it's not sitting well with me because what it reminds me of is the this vast push in, in the other part of the nutrition world for continuous glucose monitoring. Mm. Like this information tells someone anything without the context of a dietitian to tell you actually how to use that. You know, like, and I, I feel like it's yet another way of taking like a personal health tech and saying, this is going to be the fix all. And yet without the interpretation of a clinician, you're really kind of just out in the wilderness. And then it leads you to ultimately, hopefully see, seek the opinion of a healthcare provider only to then be told, ignore all of that. Let's start again. <laughs> so basically, so bottom line, it sounds a lot like you took your, took dollars flushed them away. <laughs> like that's what it feels. It winds up feeling like that a lot. You know, if you partner with the right team, yeah. then that's yes. just what you need. It, yes. You need to find a right fit though, because there are some providers yes, that it's true. so great. So, you know, there's no shame in switching and hunting for the right match for you. And then hopefully yeah. they're com competent and up to date and they'll, they'll tell you what to do. This is a, another such a good point because I feel like I've talked about this on here a lot, which is that it, it really does. It strikes me that because so many physicians, so many teams are so pressed for time, that so much of the, so many of the questions and so many of the, the things that any one of us is dealing with in a given like snapshot in time that is any physician appointment, it's like, there's only so much that you can even get through before you're rushed out. And that requires you to either have that list ready to go. And even with that list, you might not get through the whole thing. Like there's just so like, you're always in that kind of rat race of things. And then you're just trying to remember what someone said to you. And you're like, wait, wait help. Like I, I need help. I need someone to help me understand this again. I got to start from the beginning. So I completely get why it can sometimes seem so desirable. It's just really more of that balancing act, right? Like it's more of the like, what are you going to take from this thing? And then also kind of cross-reference and see where you land. Yeah. Yeah. No, I definitely see that. I, you know, I think people just need to understand, like, there's no shortcut. You know, there. Yes. Let's go through the trimesters and let's talk. What are some of the nutrition-related considerations you would want people to think about, know about? What are ones that are not talked about enough? So in a perfect world, we're eating our fruits and veggies and fish yes. and not drinking alcohol and exercising and sleeping. First trimester plans seem to go awry mm -hmm. when mm -hmm. that nausea strikes and that oh. hits a lot of people. So with my clientele who have been spending years trying to become pregnant, they're pretty up to date with the nutrients yeah. that they need to focus on. So 
the folic acid, the B12, the choline, um, DHA, mm. they, they get it. And then they get very nervous because they can't eat these foods. They just yes. can't eat fish when they're feeling terrible. So yeah. I think what people need to remember is that we're looking at big picture eating habits. That yeah. if you have a few weeks of living off of white bagels, yes. it's going to be okay. I mean, generally yes. it's going to be okay. Um, hopefully you're still able to take your prenatal vitamin. Yeah. If you're not, I recommend exploring some of those gummy vitamins, which I don't love yes. for the whole pregnancy, but in a pinch, it can at least give you the basics. Yes. Okay. Now I have a lot of questions on this because this is a lifelong, <laughs> a personal hobby horse of mine and a lifelong, lifelong fear I've struggled with, which is I, I there is nothing, there's nothing I hate more than being nauseous. I can't be alone in that I would imagine, but there, but Throwing up, like this to me is my definition of hell. Trigger warning for listeners. Yeah. Trigger warning. Yeah. <laughs> but like, it's terrible. Right. So what, what are, what, so my first question is, tell, give us, give us a little more about the gummy vitamins and why you don't recommend them through the whole pregnancy. But I will, I will say that one thing that I have heard a lot of feedback from, from clients over the years is the, um, the regurge kind of. Yes. symptom of, of prenatals that have everything in there, yes. right? Like the DHA and the EPA, and you've got all of that coming from a marine source, presumably. Yeah. Even, even algal oil is still got, I mean, it's less, but then those are more expensive. G- give us a little bit of a landscape about the navigating the, the reflux that comes with the prenatal. You know, it, it just depends on the prenatal that you're going to take. I don't like to take them on an empty stomach. I think that yes. I think everyone has their different way to tolerate it. Some will take them before bed so they like sleep through the thing yeah. and all of that. Yeah. And a lot lean on gummies because they're easier to tolerate. But what people don't understand is they typically are not providing enough of many of the nutrients that we need. Mm. So things like iron that we need in larger quantities as the pregnancy progresses. Yeah. A lot are iron-free. Some provide like two milligrams, which is a drop in the bucket because we need around 27 milligrams a day. So that's why I say like in a pinch, you could take these gummy prenatals because they'll give you like the bare basics, like the folic acid and whatever. Um, Right. But they're not going to give you everything that you really should be consuming throughout your entire pregnancy. And, Mm. you know, some people just may have to play around. Like there are some um, prenatal powders now that people can take that have vitamins and minerals in them, which is a nice option. Um, One that I see a lot of success with is switching, again, back to the form of the nutrient, Mm. iron. Yeah. Iron bisglycinate tends to be more tolerated than some of the other forms. So people are surprised when they switch to a prenatal with that form, they're not feeling as nauseous as they did before. Not everybody, but it is something to explore. I have seen this a lot more recently. And I've also seen it being used in things like, like, um, I don't know who, I can't remember the brand name, if it's vital protein or somebody like a vital protein. It's like a, a protein powder that also has iron bisglycinate in there, which is really interesting. I I feel like that is such a, that as a concept to me, as long as it's coming from a company with, that is a trustworthy kind of brand, like that is sort of revelatory, particularly for people who feel like, oh, I'm not really tolerating that much. Yeah. 
I'd rather have a smoothie or I'd rather put this into a beverage or whatever else that I can get down or sip on throughout the day. Like that's such a, that's such an amazing innovation, if you will, so. if you will allow me to use that word. I'll use it. <laughs> I'll, I'll allow it. I will yes. She's allowing it. And yes. For pregnancy. I mean, they're- yeah. In general, right. For athletes, it's kind of an amazing concept. Blood once a month, typically. Yes. Replenish that. And we're not yeah. eating a lot of meat and yeah. this, is, this can be a solution. I think that's cool. Well, that's interesting. Okay. All right. So that's okay. So I like this and I like the idea of you saying that this is a nice bridge. I like the gummies as a bridge. This is a beautiful thing. Okay. What else? What about second trimester specifically and third trimester? Anything that changes besides the basics? So second trimester, people tend to feel pretty good. That's like the honeymoon stage of okay. the honeymoon. <laughs> you know, that's the time where you want to take advantage and right. get all those nutrients yeah. in and support your body and be kind to yourself because once third trimester comes, some people feel great and some people just have a hard time eating because yeah. your belly's big and constipation yeah. can happen. You know, your hormones are affecting your digestion. So, um, you know, I think people need to give themselves some grace. If there's anything that's really concerning, hopefully your healthcare provider will alert you. But um, generally speaking, as long as you're eating a balanced diet and eating nutrient-dense foods, and of course, eat your baby shower cake. You know, I mean, we're not saying to never enjoy the foods that you enjoy if it's not quote-unquote healthy. You know, these foods fit too, especially when you're pregnant. Um, You know, during your third trimester, what I think is really cool is there are some things that um, the data shows may help reduce the risk of postpartum depression. Mm. It's really cool to like approach. And of course, it's not a magic bullet, but um, yeah. Eating the um, DHA omega three fatty acids. Yes. So at that stage, supplementation becomes a little more of a focus because you get more in. Yeah. So exceeding that two hundred and fifty milligram a day recommendation, you could even go as high as a thousand a day. Yeah. Um, wow. May That's amazing. Benefit. Moving thirty minutes a day is linked to a reduced risk of um, postpartum depression. And wow. believe it or not, some um, probiotic supplementation is linked too. Mm-hmm. Now, who knows if it's that they're living a healthy lifestyle and taking yeah. I mean, there's so many things that we yes. don't know. Yeah. But again, what, what's the downside? You'll spend some extra money. But, yes. You know, it may help and it won't hurt. Are there any that you like in that space also, in the probiotics, probiotics space? Um, yeah. I think life extension. Again, I'm I with you. Sure. I know. They really Folks, do. there's a reason we like them, okay? <laughs> Take it from us. <laughs> we are. This is not a sponsored episode, and yet there is still a reason we like them. Yes. You know, I also like um, Jero, that brand, Jero. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think they do a nice job with their probiotics, and they ensure that they're um, delivering what they say they're delivering. Yeah. Actually alive, which is always a great thing. Yeah. Yes. You don't want them. <laughs> No one needs dead cultures. Yes. We just yeah. don't need a dead culture arriving in a package yeah. at your front door. Exactly. No one needs that. That's just called, that's called money down the toilet. Literally. Again. Literally. Literally. All right. So let's, let's take our next kind of life stage in, in a, in two parts. But the first thing that I would that I want us to cover in particular, because I saw you posting something about this and it really piqued my curiosity. And I saw this paper also, and it kind of drives me a little nutty. What the fuck is with the lactation cookies? Yeah. What, 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 
what's happening? This feels yet again, it's like you've waited, you've been there, you went through, you, you birthed a human and now here you are in postpartum. <laughs> I know you, you skipped, you had a nice, let's say 10 or so months vacation from predatory behavior of, of industries <laughs> that are coming for your money. <laughs> now, and now here we are back again because you have been told you must breastfeed or maybe you're being told you must have a lactation cookie or maybe you're being told take all of these different herbs to to boost breast milk supply give us a little landscape of yeah. what's happening we'll start with the cookies and then we can so get we into start other with the cookies so lactation cookies there's there's no dead set recipe for lactation cookies yeah. but they're usually using ingredients that are proposed to promote breast milk supply, or as they say, boost your breast milk supply. So mm. a lot of them are mm-hmm. oat-based. They can have a lot of herbs added to them. It, it depends on the recipe. And, um, you know, some people make them homemade. There are a lot that you could buy online or through a local baker. They're, I mean, they're usually pretty delicious, and people take them like it's medication to boost right. their milk supply. Um, so this study came out. Where, and correct me if I'm misrepresenting since you read it too, the researchers evaluate, they gave half the group a lactation, lactation cookies and the other half like a regular cookie. Yeah. Or I don't remember how many days, but it was a significant amount of days. And then they evaluated the um, breast milk volume and there was no difference between the two showing that the, these lactation cookies aren't really offering any more benefit than eating a cookie. And the authors note that the lactation cookies can be viewed as a predatory product. So what I see is um, Mm -hmm. breast milk supply is typically affected by not eating enough calories. And it's a lot of the people that are trying to look like one of the Kardashians. I was just going to say a Kardashian. Yes. And they're doing this no favors. Like two weeks after in their beginning, yes. saying, look like right. this is what you're supposed to look like after having a baby. They're not consuming enough calories. You need more calories because you're fueling your baby. Like you're yeah. making all the food for your baby. So your body's going to choose you over the breast milk and you're not right. going to produce enough breast milk. So I think the lactation cookies benefit people because they're pretty high in calories. But yeah. I think you can also eat an oatmeal raisin cookie or <laughs> eat a peanut butter and jelly sandwich on whole grain bread and get extra calories there. This whole like snap back concept, which is honestly insane because, because also we, we know enough about people like, like the Kardashians being the perfect example of people who are known to retouch their own photo. Like we know that this is not real. So the fact that you put this out there as if it is real and then make it seem like something that all women can do when you're not even doing it. It's like such a, it's own like existential crisis in an Instagram post. <laughs> like I just feel like I'm so mean it's so wrong. When I had my baby, I forget who, one of the celebrities had a baby and she yeah. had a cover people magazine just looking fantastic. And the interview said something like, um, I'm really doing nothing special. Um, my secret oh, no. is sleeping eight to nine hours a night because my hormones and all the stuff. I'm like, that's a really big detail that you're sleeping eight to nine that's hours a, a night. That's a huge detail. Oh, P.S. 
I'm getting yeah. full sleep. I mean, sleep plays such a big role on stress levels, yeah. weight retention. You know, if you're stressed, you're going to have a harder time producing adequate breast milk. And yeah. it's not your fault. I mean, you have a baby who needs you and you're breastfeeding. You're probably not going to get eight to nine hours of straight sleep every night with a newborn at home. So yeah. it's just not fair that they're not highlighting all of the additional help they have. Like a lot of them have people cooking their meals. They have full-time right. help. I didn't have full-time help. My husband went back to work, you know? Right. No, I mean, it really like, I just feel like it, it, it's yet another, I mean, to be honest, like in some ways, the scary thing is that, and how old is, remind me how old your daughter is. She's almost eight. Eight. Oh my God. Amazing. Okay. But even, but see like that even right there says a lot to me because first of all, I appreciate at the very least the transparency of I'm sleeping, of not even <laughs> necessarily knowing enough to edit yourself and saying I'm sleeping eight time, eight to nine hours and at least being transparent that you have help because, because then, you know, now it's like, it, there's almost like this idea that you would have to say, it's, we're, we're, we've created such a climate in almost like eight years of like, even I would say five years, I feel like is when I started seeing this is like this idea of the transparency and then being sort of ridiculed for being like out of touch about the, the, the fact that you, oh, you don't even get that you have help. That's a beautiful, it's a beautiful thing and good for you. And, and please acknowledge it. But when you don't acknowledge it, there's like this other side of things that comes out as like, okay, so you're doing, you're doing more. This like hustle culture continues. Like even when you're breastfeeding, even when you just gave birth and now you're like, I'm snapping back. And like all of this, this like continuous hustle that gets put out there into the, on the internet, that's like doing more equals better versus at least at the very least the transparency of I have the luxury of being able to go to sleep at night. You know what I mean? It's like, I feel like now we're being almost like doubly tricked. Yeah. There's one, I guess you could call her an influencer. She's like a mommy yeah. blogger. Yeah. There's another bunny trail, but it's, it's. Really yes. Nice. I love this bunny trail. You yes. Know, her place is always spotless and she's always yeah. dressed to the nines and she has two young kids and like, her muscles are toned and the kids are eating balanced meals. And then in one of her shots, there was another woman and someone asked about it. And she said, oh, that's my live-in nanny. That's a really big detail. That's a huge detail. Like all these <laughs> things for parenting that you should be doing with your kids. And you have someone behind the scenes like doing your dishes for you. And no shame. Right. Like, listen, no shame. I mean, right. the better. But that's a detail people need to be aware of because there are a lot of people looking at her saying, well, she's doing this all by herself. I should be able to do this all by myself too. Right. Right. No, I, I know not agree about with my that I don't want people to think I have a smooth forehead at 43 just because. I used to live in no. But it's Botox and skin peels. Like, I don't want to tell people, you know, I'm pointing, I'm pointing at my mouth where I, I currently have quite a bit of bruising and I'm just like, fuck it. I, I like, let's just be honest about it. Like, no, I'm sorry. I wasn't born. With I wasn't born with a forehead what that doesn't move when I talk. Your forehead. Like you kidding? Exactly. Like, come on. Like, let's just be open about it. No, I'm sorry, folks. Yes, I'm very well hydrated, but there's no amount of hydration that's going to get rid of the time I spent in the sun. I wish I could take it back, but I can't. No cream, no supplements. <laughs> exactly. A hundred percent. What say you <laughs> on women at home 
attempting to DIY some formula. Hard pass. Thank you. Hard pass. Hard pass. And Thank I'll you. tell you why. Because people don't understand why. And they're valid. I mean, this right. is intuitive to people. So once upon a time, I used to work in the formula industry. And I'm not even going to say yeah. that brand because I don't yeah. really have a loyalty at this point. Right. There are some negatives to the formula world. And let's acknowledge that. They are held to such a high standard that I don't think people understand. You walk into yeah. the places where the formula is manufactured and like if you sniffle, you get looks. You know, right. I mean, head to toe, you're covered. It is so sanitary. And the recall that happened, thank mm. goodness that happened because it took a few cans of contamination for the entire world to know and get a heads up that yeah. this formula was not what may not be safe for your baby. When you're making formula at home, I don't care how many times you wash your hands. Your kitchen is not sanitized. Yeah. There's bacteria. I think about people with cats. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my you God. You know, I mean, you could be as clean as you want to be, but it is not a sanitary environment. And you're opening your child up to risk. You're also not ensuring that baby's getting all of the nutrients that baby needs. It's different than you're making something for yourself and you're eating other foods. The formula is all your baby's getting. Um, There was one guy up in Michigan that was making like some natural formula um, out of his health food store and the FDA pulled it and fined him. And he went online complaining that they were like against small businesses because he didn't understand what the big deal was that he wasn't providing babies with enough vitamin D because he provided them with everything else but vitamin D. And that's concerning because he didn't understand why this was concerning. So, and then I showed you the one with the raw cow's milk. Oh my God, I lost my mind. It's terrifying. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's unsafe. It's unsafe. At this point, if you prioritize organic, there are a million organic options out there. I mean, there's so many options out there. You want yes. goat milk formula, there's goat milk out there. You want so I mean, there's so many options out there. Homemade yeah. for babies is just not something I could ever get behind. No, it's not safe. People, if you're listening to this, tell everyone it's just not safe. I also, I just feel like we can't say that enough because it, it's like, I always find myself thinking, God, I'm such a broken record about so many different things. And then I remember that certain things are, are really worth <laughs> repeating over and over again. And it's just not, it's just, it's just not sanitary. I have to continue down this bunny hill for one sec. Cause you reminded me of this with the cow's milk, with the raw milk. What's happening with raw milk in this world? <laughs> What's going on? This is, it's still here and it's having a moment. I mean, in New York, I did not think, like, I heard about this sort of at the beginning of the year. I feel like this, I, I read something about it and it took me down like a Twitter rabbit hole. And I, I, okay, fast forward to where we are now. And at my local Whole Foods in New York, there's a lot of raw milk options. Like there's a lot of new, what, what's happening with that? And yes or no for trying to conceive pregnancy and postpartum. <laughs> what did it for me with the raw milk and yes there is some data showing that it's more bioavailable and it may provide you with more nutrients like i'm not denying that like on paper yes comparing it to the past yeah yeah there is some validity to it but this is what 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 the nail in the coffin was for me i went on a dairy farm tour with the dairy alliance up in north carolina Mm. And I was meeting with a lot of the dairy farmers. I mean, their goal is to sell dairy milk. Like that's their bread and butter. Right. No matter what, dairy is the best thing in the world. 
they, you know, showed some freshly milked milk. I don't know how you say mm. it. Whatever. Yeah. Milk. Fresh. Yeah. And they were like, I would never drink this. They're like, right. hard, like yeah, the dairy farmers are saying hard pass because of the bacteria that can be growing in there. And I'm like, all right, if their whole mission in life is to sell cow's milk and they're saying they wouldn't drink this, I'm not drinking this. I'm so with you. I also think one thing that just needs to be said, and it really brings us back to the kitchen component of things, is that I, I can easily see so many people looking at that and going, yeah, well, maybe your farm isn't <laughs> isn't sanitary, but my farm is. And I just want to say, people, you can't see these bacteria. <laughs> no one can see the bacteria. They're microscopic. Unless you're seeing it in a lab, under a microscope, looking into a dish, you actually don't know that for sure. <laughs> and no one's becoming malnourished by choosing pasteurized milk versus raw. Like, you're still getting a lot of nutrients from pasteurized dairy milk. Like, we're not saying it's void of nutrients. It's just the raw may have a smidge more. Yes. Plan. I mean, just, I don't know, eat eat more of something else to make up for it. Yes. All right. So let's say you are someone that perhaps is feeling terrified and worried and you're like, my baby, I'm worried that my baby's losing weight. Mm -hmm. I'm worried that I can't provide everything that my baby needs. I feel like we've moved a lot past this in, in that kind of time frame. I want to say that was like 20, 2009, let's say, but like, even in that time frame, I feel like we've, we've started to come back to the, you do you yeah. <laughs> feed your baby. Give, give us a little bit of your expert advice on this and what, and what would you want someone who is currently struggling or feeling like I'm not making enough and I wanted to breastfeed for six months, but I don't know if I'm going to make it or any of that. What would you say? You know, and th- this is my opinion. This isn't, this is yeah. based on my experience and everything that I've read, there's no formula out there, even if you're making it in your own kitchen, that's going Mm. to match breast milk. Yeah. So breast milk is the ideal vessel, the ideal food, let's say, to feed your baby. Reality is there are a lot of hiccups that can happen, or Mm. there are some people that just so flat out do not want to feed their baby breast milk. Mm. Say for me, I set out to exclusively breastfeed and eight weeks in, sorry, eight weeks in, I had a lot of challenges. My daughter had a lot of challenges. I reached the point where I basically had to choose me because I was a sick. I lost so much weight. I wasn't sleeping. And it was really because of the stress of trying to feed my baby with reflux and allergies Mm. and cutting out all this food that I I was missing it, you know, and maybe that was a little selfish of me, but I just felt like I was missing it. And I wasn't being a patient mother to her because I was so tired. So I quit and I started feeding my baby formula and I never looked back. And I remember people like, speaking to me with sympathy, like trying to make me feel better. Like, well, you made it eight weeks. And I'm like, I don't need your condolences. Like I'm so right. peace with this. This was the best right. decision for my family. It was for everybody, yeah. for my husband, for me, yeah. sleep and he could give her a bottle in the middle of the night. Yeah. So, you know, it worked for me. And I think that's really where we are, especially with so many people working. I mean, it's yes. hard to exclusively breastfeed and maintain a career. It's doable. I mean, I'll tell you, that's basically why I left my job because I came back to work. They um, were having me travel everywhere. They had other options. Yeah. They kept picking me. Um, yeah. I finally said, like, I, I really 
I'm trying hard to like maintain this breastfeeding situation and I'm exhausted. Like, can we like just pump the brakes with the travel just for a few months when I came back from work and, um, their offer to me was to pay for me to ship my breast milk back. And I was like, it's just not a solution. Oh my God. I need to like pump and, you know, no. go get it shipped. So that's, that's, that's crazy. Because they weren't really being oh as good as I was hoping they would be. So, um. I'm cringing on the inside and on the outside. You should see my face right now. <laughs> but what I can move of my face. You can. From down, it's moving. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. Thank you. Thank you. That's what, that's what I like here. Yeah, no. But I, like my entire body is like contorted. What? Ship yeah. your breast milk? But, but and what's funny too mind. is this was a company that like to like had like press yeah. releases of how like supportive they are for the breastfeeding parents. Oh, Jesus. And, like, you know, you could just pick someone else to go to Omaha. Right. You know? Right. It doesn't have to be yeah. me. So, um... Uh, there are a lot of reasons why people get yeah. sweet. And really, I think this is like a great glimpse into what parenthood's going to be. It's mm. no one's, you know, what's best for your family. No one's going to yeah. have DSS on you if you're feeding your baby formula. Yes. Again, I'm going to reiterate breast milk is the ideal food for babies, but yeah. formula nourishes babies. My baby's healthy, happy, yeah. growing just fine. And you need to just block out what the world's saying, but everything is not going to stop yeah. here. You know, I'm feeding my, I'm giving my baby, my child, a lollipop with food dye in it on the airplane and I'm getting side eye. I'm at the point. Oh where my I'm God. Take a picture to last longer. Like it, right. <laughs> it's my kid. I can do whatever I want with her. She's safe. She's happy. She's healthy. Yes. And frankly, she's probably not kicking your chair lady. So turn around and now she's going to, now I'm going to tell her to kick your chair. for this <laughs> Exactly. All right. So I want to get us to baby led weaning. Now, in my day, just to just to really, and I'm going to pu- push up my grandma glasses, like my proverbial grandma glasses on my nose. In my day, this was called introducing solids. <laughs> what? What exactly? Why is this a new term? What is this? What does it mean? And what would you want parents to know about first foods? So baby led weaning is basically not starting with the purees and giving them, yes. you know, just feeding them yes. whatever you're eating yourself. Yes. And here's another example, like the breast milk and the formula. Well, it's not mm. really the same because truly I don't think there's a best way. Mm. I think people can start with the baby food purees and the baby yeah. is okay. I think the baby yep. can start with the baby led weaning and baby ends up okay. Some people can do a combination of both. And baby ends up okay. So it's really what the family's comfortable with. I mean, a lot of working families lean on these purees and these pre-made baby foods because there's, you know, not as much concern. It's not as much work. Other, you know, maybe a stay-at-home mom, it's easier for her to just feed baby part of the turkey that she was using for dinner. Um, But, you know, there's some camps that say one's better than the other, but I'm really not convinced that one is a better choice. I think what we really need to focus on is what we're feeding babies as a first food because we're not always focusing on the right nutrients. And a lot of physicians neglect to remind parents that once babies reach about six months of age, um, their iron stores are getting used up and their um, zinc needs 
are um, becoming a priority. So, Mm. you know, we need to start feeding these babies, not only like the fruits and the veggies that we've always been feeding them, but um, a lot of these protein foods that we're not always thinking of as a first food. So like beef or eggs or fish or things with these nutrients that these babies really, really need. Otherwise they may end up with iron deficiency, which is something that we don't want them to have at such an early age because it can affect their brain development. (laughs) Now, that was a very long answer. answer. No, that was such a good answer. That was such yeah. a good answer. Thank you. All right. And and my next one is that we're just going to skip ahead. So baby has gone from six months to five years. <laughs> Real quick. Just happened overnight. I mean, that's literally how it feels. So I'm on board. So exactly. So I'm really, I'm really speaking to, to parents who feel like this right now. It's exactly right. Yes. It, that's, that's it. So we're, we're five years, let's say six years, seven, maybe. But what? But this is a question that I that I got the other day, and I would love your take on it because I felt like my answer was not satisfying. So I would love to get your answer to this, which is that um, it. What do you think about kids having some sort of dessert, sweet treat, something every day? Yay, nay, and what are some watchouts or some kind of pro tips that you would give to that? I think it really depends. Again, I go back to the big picture. You know, yeah. if they're eating a diet that is low in nutritional density and they're not moving and they're spending Mm. time on the couch, proactively offering them something that has a lot of calories without a lot of nutrients isn't the best idea. But hopefully your child is active and doing some sport or playing on the playground and maybe not vegetables, but eating some fruit. Um, You know, I think a sweet treat can be a part of a healthy diet. I like the idea of not labeling it as like a bad food versus Mm. good food. Um, So I I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. Um, I will admit that some, and with no shame, I'll admit that Mm -hmm. on some days when we're having a family dinner and my daughter doesn't want to necessarily sit with us, I will include a dessert with her meal to kind of yeah. set like a dog, like yeah. for a puppy. Yeah. But like, it's part of a healthy balanced diet. I'm not feeding her a piece of chocolate right. for dinner. You know, it's like maybe right. a brownie with some chicken and whatever, yeah. you know? Yeah. And it's part, she sees it's part of a healthy balanced diet. The portion's controlled. Yeah. She's getting other nutrients yeah. in there and it's okay. So I hope that yeah. answers your question. No, it's such a good answer. I, I think, I just think that like so many people come from, it's like, that's the sort of stage where I feel like parents come from their own history. And then depending on where that is or what that's coming from, it can, it can spark a whole bunch of other things. So I feel Absolutely. like that really is so helpful well, to know. Say, my daughter isn't the best example because she's like a six year old woman in an eight year old body. So yeah. but she's I relate. It, I relate to that feeling. To use her as an example, I know she doesn't act like a lot of other kids her age. Yeah. She has a drawer that's her snack drawer. And I let yeah. her just determine what she wants to eat. But she, for whatever reason, like understands, like, it's amazing. Like she eats this carb, she yeah. tries to have a protein with it at eight years old. So that's like not so normal. Cute. And I understand it's not. <laughs> she basically has carte blanche. Like if she has Halloween yeah. or we just had like an Easter egg hunt, like I'm not hiding her candy she got. Like it's out there. And she eats it, she moderates. Like she understands, like her stomach will hurt if she eats 5,000 jelly beans in one sitting. And it's not right. that great for her. I see the friends where I know the parents totally restrict. Yeah. They see this free range snacks and sugar. 
Mm. And I mean, they can't like, I, I (laughs) tell them to stop because I don't want their parents to get up and understand, you know, their rules. But like, I see it's like they can't control themselves. And I remember growing up, I had friends like that too. Remember like the whole local Yes. And then the friends would come over and like eat an entire pint of ice cream because they're not allowed to eat it at home because it was quote unquote a bad food. So it's a very tricky dance of maintaining a healthy diet while also supporting a healthy Mm. relationship with food because you should be able to eat a chocolate chip cookie and not really even think twice about it. Like not even think, Oh, I just had a chocolate chip cookie. You just ate a chocolate chip cookie. Who cares? You know? Right. Your kids don't live in a bubble, just like adults don't live in a bubble. Like we will leave the house and we will need to know how to navigate it. If it's not exactly the food environment that we're used to. My God. Yes. My daughter also tells me like around Halloween time or Christmas time, she'll be at her friend's home. Yeah. They'll like sneak candy. And like hide oh, no. and hide the wrappers, and she comes home asking me like, "Why are they hiding their eating?" Like oh, that's my such God. a foreign concept to her. Yeah, where these kids feel that they need to hide that they're eating an extra Kit Kat bar. Oy. So you know, I, I, I really I'm me. trying to figure it out myself, but I think labeling food as bad food can make them yeah overindulge when they have the opportunity. The food products that are made with a dairy base that have this sort of naturally occurring sugar, and then there's a ton of added sugar in there, and and helping people figure this out a little bit, right? Like fruit-based snacks too that have real fruit in there, but then we've got it's sort of like the fruit snacks and the goldfish and all of that stuff, and then someone will say to you, "But it's organic." Yeah. <laughs> what say you? All right, so kids under the age of one should not have any added sugar. Like it's zero. Yes. There's really no, they, they're not asking for sweet food. So you could give them like yes. the fruits for natural sweetness. So when it comes to the yogurts, there are some yogurts that are marketed as baby yogurts. Yeah. Some have no added sugar and some do. So parents mm. need to really be aware that even if it's marketed as a baby focused yogurt, that's after they're one years old. So we can't, again, we can't so lean on these brands to navigate right. our food choices. And it's not their job. Their job it's is not to their sell job. product. They're not there to hold your hand and teach you about nutrition. That's our job. That's our job. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I'm totally with it. Wow, that's such a good tip. I did not yeah. even realize this world of baby yogurt. Yes. I feel like a lot of companies, there was really this period a couple of years ago where like this automatic, like sudden boom of yogurt drinks, like the drinkable everything became the thing, which is really understandable. A lot of kids are like, a lot of babies are like, I'd rather drink than eat. I totally get it. But but it's true. It's not their job to make those products that to be the nutritionally wonderful ones. Their job is to sell those products. And that's really it. And sugar tastes good to kids, you know? Oh my God. So, you know, we just need to watch out. And, you know, if you have one of those drinkable yogurts, like my, my daughter has her, them sometimes in her lunch, but that's really the only source of added sugar in her lunch. I'm not eating yeah. that plus a Reese's cup plus right. a lemonade. You know, it's, that's, that's her kind of sweet. I'm, to, I'm not yeah. her. Like she still gets it. Right. But, right. Um, you know, I just think, I'm not saying they're off limits, but I think people need to right. be aware that a lot of these can have just as much sugar as a piece of candy. I mean, you're getting more, you're getting the live cultures, you're getting the candy. Yeah. I'd rather them eat that than candy, but it is quite a bit of added sugar. And think about yeah. like they have little bodies. They don't need that much, you know? Totally. Totally. What about 
What about the goldfish and the bunnies? What about the organic fucking bunnies? I, I, this is no this is the meanest thing from eating goldfish. No one's dying. Bottom line, these annies are still like they're still not the most nutrient yes. dense food. So yes, they're organic, but it's not like you're feeding them artichoke hearts. You know, it's <laughs> still a cracker. Let's get a grip, guys. <laughs> Let's get a grip, people. Okay, Lauren, give us our, our the answer to the, our final question here, which is the most annoying wellness thing that you've wellnessy thing. I like to put in quotes, little listeners. I'm making my little finger quotes. Yes. <laughs> the most annoying wellnessy thing you've seen of 2023 so far. Oh, it's only April. I but still, shared this with the Dairy Alliance, and they were like, they didn't even know what to say. That there's oh. now a rumor circulating online in the fertility world that people should avoid dairy because oh, this dairy is craziness. produces mucus in your uterus. Oh, that's logic. So <laughs> I was thinking they were like trying to like understand the path. <laughs> you were like, no, no, you guys are no, too wise for this. Like you have to think. Yeah, you in your career. <laughs> Um, but it was just funny, like telling all these people that represent like these dairy farmers, like I, I don't even know what to say. I'm like, I think you should say nothing. I'm just making you aware that that's what's going on is we should avoid dairy because it produces too much mucus in our uterus. So the embryo can't implant. Oh, sweet God. Oh my God. And okay. Everyone knows. And drink bone broth every day. Yeah. The killer. Phil the killer. Okay. Tell our listeners where they can find you. They can find me. I try and go on Instagram at um, yes. Lauren Loves Nutrition. Yes. And um, I share a lot of articles I write on there too. So check out my stories. So I try and give as much evidence-based information as I can. Yes. You do an amazing job. Yeah. Thank you for being here. This is such a joy. I know. I have fun with you. Thanks so much for listening to The Business of Wellness. I'm your host and executive producer, Jacqueline London. Remember that advice provided on this podcast is based on my application of research and practice as a registered dietitian and should not replace medical advice provided by your physician. If you like what you're listening to, please follow the show, leave a five-star rating, and share something you love from today's episode by leaving a review. This podcast only grows with your support. So if you enjoyed this episode, share it far and wide, it may be the one thing someone needs to hear to start building that roadmap today to secure a healthier, happier future. That's it for now. So until next time, cheers.